Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It is Encounter with God time. We're about to get into our Bible study. We're going to look at some text messages as well as we get into this morning's show. But before we do all of that, Lawson is going to bring us the next clue for the quiz. Revelation tells... To, oh, sorry. Sorry. Let me let me start again. Revelation 12 tells of me and my angels fighting against the dragon and his angels. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. You even have a reference there, guys. So you can... Well, we would encourage you not to look up uh, if you can figure out the answer. But if you need to look up, there's a reference right there. Revelation 12. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer, you can text us in saying, may I enter the quiz if you've got it correctly. And if you do... Oh, let's have a look at some more recipes. This is my like favorite part of the day. This is awesome. You can make... Um, bite-sized chocolate cups, and you can make your own bubble and squeak. So, yeah, if you like either of those I like things, bubble and squeak. Bubble and squeak's the best. Yes. Pull Zero. it out of the packet, put it in the oven, pull it out of no, the oven. No, you can make your own, Lyle. We're talking about chef <laughs> stuff here. Yeah, wake up. Zero I, I make my own. <laughs> buy it, you pull it out the freezer, and it's then put it in. 0491064669 is the number two call or text. Make sure you say mad to the quiz. All right, so text messages right here. We've only got a few this morning, but uh, this one says the Ukrainian refugees. Now, that is a good story. In war, it's always the civilian population that suffers the most. New Alota doesn't care about that. Depopulation and suffering is their game. It's all about rearranging the world for the last day events. Another one here about uh, Syrian people are not Catholic. That gives you the answer. Mm. Who controls what? The papacy will control everything if you believe in the book of Revelation, including the majority of the media. Let's not confuse Catholicism and true biblical faith. Don't recall reading about Jesus starting wars anywhere. Mm. So true. So, 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 so true. And yet we have such a history of violence and bloodshed um, amongst the religions of our world. Um yeah, so that's what we've got this morning. If you've got some thoughts that you'd like to share, that's all the text messages we've got. Wake up, people. Yeah, that, yes. Yeah. What, what a good idea. Yeah, wake up. <laughs> what a good wake idea. Up. That's A1 advice from right. Lawson. But that does give us some more time to get into our Bible study this morning. So let's jump right in and let's see what the Bible has to say. Uh, where did we get up to yesterday? We're in Genesis 32. Did we finish chapter 32? I don't think so. Okay, we need to finish chapter 32. Let's get let's go back there and let's uh, let's finish out chapter thirty two. I think we were just about up to the point where Jacob wrestles with the angel and wins. Yeah, yes. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm just reading through. Um, so we haven't read the part about Laban catching up. Did yeah, you? we've done that. We've done that. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. He sends gifts to Esau. Yes. That's we hadn't read the gifts specifically that he sent. Their so, gifts. There's lots of them. Yep. He sends a bunch of stuff and keep yeah. going. Um. We get to verse seventeen. He says he gave instructions to the men leaving the first group. When my brother Esau meets you, he will ask whose servants are you. Where are you going? Who owns these animals? You must reply. They belong to your servant Jacob, but they are a gift for his master Esau. Look, he is coming right behind us. And so, you know, he tells his servants here, give them the gifts, um, and, you know, divides up the camp. And that's kind of where we get to. And then that is the, the beginning of verse 22 is when we see him wrestle with God. Right. So at this point, yep, he's divided everything up. He sent the dudes out with gifts to meet Esau, preparing for the worst, you know, damage limitation here. And yeah. 
We we just we just got a uh, we just got a text message through from uh, uh, from someone who is was listening to the interview. Uh huh. And I offended them. Oh. Because I gave Kiwis a hard time. Ah, okay, okay. Well, like, we don't really care. <laughs> no, that's right, that's just Kiwis. Uh, he's written, as a Kiwi, I'm offended in regards to the interview, but he's, but he's written this um, as S-K-W-M-F-F-N-D-D. What is that? So it's a Kiwi um, offended. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you take out you take out all of the take out all of the vowels and you automatically speak Kiwi. You speak. <laughs> That's funny, classic brain, awesome stuff. Uh, <clears throat> then anyway, let's uh, let's jump back into our Bible study. Uh, so he's sending off all of these gifts, and they're going to meet Esau. They're going to meet Esau, and they're going to. Uh, give them to Esau. So uh, let's uh, let's see what happens and let's see how Esau responds. Uh, well, if we get to verse 22, um, then it says, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men, and have won. Okay, so this is an interesting passage right here. Who wins this wrestling match? Uh, not Jacob. But what it, What was the last thing you just read? Yeah, it says that he won, but did he win? Like, he got his, his leg dislocated. Like, how is, <coughs> how is that winning? It's an interesting, it's interesting to work your way down through this. Okay, so let's, let's think about the story. Mm-hmm. Jacob is fearing for his life. Jacob has divided his camp into two parts. Uh, he's done this strategically because he is afraid for his life. He knows he's had, you know, the instruction of God to go back to, down south. He has seen the vision of angels that are there to protect him. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's also heard about Esau coming at him with 400 men. He has no defense against that. And so he's fearful. And so he goes to a quiet place because he knows that he's going to meet Esau the next day. Mm. It's going to happen. And it's kind of like, you know, if you think of a an impending battle, you know, what kind of thoughts go through a person's mind when they know, when they know they're going into frontline action the next day? Mm. What kind of things are you going to be thinking about? And, uh, and, and Jacob has no idea how the next day is going to pan out except that he has no fighting men and no fighting mm. ability. And so he goes to spend this time to pray, and while he's praying, he's attacked mm. in the night. And I don't know about you, but if I was Jacob at this particular point, the first thing that would go through my mind is that Esau has sent out assassins yeah. to hunt him down and to kill him before there's even any attack takes place. Mm. You know, this is a you know a, a, <clears throat> a targeted attack rather than you know a, what do they call it a um, uh, a surgical attack rather yeah. than rather than just a a, a mass slaughter. Mm. And so he's wrestling for his life. Now, I don't know about you, Lawson, but you get in a fun wrestling match. How long does it take you before you are out of breath? 
Uh depends who you're wrestling against. <laughs> yeah, okay, but let's say that you're wrestling against somebody who's reasonably evenly matched you, isn't it? Yeah, like, oh, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, when you're like... Young cousins or something yeah, like that. Yeah, when you're like kind of grabbing each other's arms and grappling. Yeah, and, 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 and you just rolling around on the floor. floor throwing each floor. other back and forth. It's like pretty quickly you get tired out, yeah. You get tired. You are, you are done in a couple of minutes. Mm. And these guys are wrestling through the night. So first of all, it speaks of, you know, the fitness of the ancients. These were very fit people. They were very... Uh, strong people. This guy's a shepherd, like yes. in the ancient world. That's right. Like, he's not riding around on his quad bike no. with his, like, you know, with his uh, shepherd dogs. No. Like, he is running. Yeah. So he's he's fit. Mm. He's seriously fit. But he's also wrestling for his life. Mm. And that's going to add a level of desperation that is going to deplete your enemy, your energy so much faster. Mm. And... Uh, it's interesting what happens is you work your way down through this because at some point Jacob realises that he's not wrestling a normal human being. Mm. Uh, the Bible says in in, um, in verse in, in the King James it says, And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And so... You know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing where you know you've got these two are wrestling together, and of course, you know the word man here. It's interesting to look at the use of the word man in the Bible because it's interesting to see where else you'll find that same term. Mm. You'll find that same term in describing Michael the archangel in Daniel chapter ten. Mm. You'll find the same term for man describing the captain of the Lord's host in I think it's Joshua chapter five where Joshua meets with Jesus Christ before taking the city of Jericho. Mm. You will find... You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You'll find the same word being used in Isaiah chapter 53 in the prophecy about Jesus Christ. Mm. And so what we find here is that this is Jesus wrestling with Jacob. Jesus mm. has come down as the angel of the Lord and wrestled with him here at this particular point. And uh, they wrestle until the morning. Mm. And then because he's wrestling with Jesus, you know, Jesus is obviously holding back. <laughs> yeah. And they wrestle until the morning and I think they're both, you know, I think well, I think that, uh, not Jesus, but I think Jacob is just completely done. Yeah. And he's just hanging on and there is nothing going to stop him because he is fighting for his life. And Jesus just reaches out with a finger and touches his thigh and that's it. Jacob is done. Yeah. It's over. He is destroyed. He is wrecked. You can imagine the pain that he is in when your thigh gets dislocated. That's just Mm. like an insane amount of agony and pain that he would be in. And now he is completely defenseless. But in that moment, he recognizes and goes, wait a minute. That was supernatural. Mm. You know, somebody did something supernatural right there because all they did was just reach out with their finger, touch me, and I'm done. I'm wrecked. Mm. And he recognizes who he is wrestling because of what he says next. Um, The Bible says, and he, that was the guy that was wrestling with him, said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Mm. And so Jesus was there, and Jesus was like, yeah, you've got to let me go because the day's coming on and, and you know, um, you shouldn't be seeing my face. Mm. 
And Jacob can't do anything but hang on. Mm. He can't fight back. He is absolutely powerless. And, uh, you know, Jesus is saying, look, let me go. Let me go. Um, and Unless, you know, I, I need to go. And, and, and Jacob's like, no, I won't. Mm. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't let you go. Mm. I will just hang on, hang on here like a dead weight. I will mm. not let you go unless you bless me. And then, of course, you know the conversation. He said to him, "What is your name?" And he said, "Jacob." Well, not like God didn't know what his name was, but mm. God was kind of reminding him of something here because the word Jacob. What does the word Jacob mean? It means like uh, like deceiver. It means deceiver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, you think about Jacob at this particular point because he's been thinking back over his life and thinking about how many times he's deceived people and how many times he's been deceived. And it's almost like his whole life is a story of deception. Either he's being deceived mm. or someone is deceiving him. That's, mm. That is the story of Jacob's life as it is recorded in the Bible. And so Jesus points out to him, your name is Deceiver. That's the story of your life. Mm. But then he turns around and he says, your, your name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel. Mm. For as a prince you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Or, in other words, you've won. Mm. Wow. That's pretty impressive right there. So so who was the winner of this battle? Uh, well, yeah, I guess like Jacob, but like... Yeah. In a physical sense, Jesus wins because yeah, Jesus never loses. Yeah. But in a spiritual sense, Jacob's the winner. You know, it's so funny, actually, the, the story comes to my mind because it would be thousands of years after this where um, Jesus would be asked, are you greater than our father's Jacob? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, by the woman at the well. And the answer is like, obviously, yes, at that time. And not only that, but he proved it. Like, yes. thousands of years ago, yes. he proved that he's better than Jacob. <laughs> um, but because of, like, Jacob's faithfulness at this time, like, yeah, like, you've, you've won. Like, he, Jacob gets blessed. And the reason that woman and the well and all of those people even exist is because of this story right here, where Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. He becomes the father of That's right. these nations. Yeah. Mm. This is a story that has implications and is impacting our world in just profound ways, mm. so many different ways, historically, politically, religiously, spiritually, massive implications for our world right now. Yeah. Yes. So Jacob gets his name changed. I like the idea of a name being changed because the Bible says that you and I will get a new name. So let's go over to the book of Revelation. Mm. Revelation chapter 2. Let me just find this passage here for you. Oops. Where are we? Revelation chapter 2. And there's a promise here to the overcomer. Let me just find it. Verse 17. Revelation 2, verse 17. In Revelation 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Okay, so let's let's think about this here for a moment because we've got uh, a, a number of different things that are taking place. Mm. What is going to be given to the overcover? Manna. What is manna? Uh, like bread from heaven. Bread from heaven. What is bread a symbol of in the Bible? Uh, Jesus. And, the and what else? What else is he going to be given? 
Uh, a stone. And what is the rock a symbol of in the Bible? Jesus. And what colour is the stone? White. And what is white a symbol of? Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness. Uh. Absolutely. So we're going to receive Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And once we've received Jesus Christ and his righteousness, what do we receive next? Uh, a new name. A new name. Mm. Why do we need a new name? What does name symbolise in the Bible? Um well, it's like our kind of like our character. Character. Yeah. Absolutely. Name symbolizes character. And so the Bible promises that just as Jacob received a new name, every single one of us mm. will receive a new name. And in Jacob's sense, like he very literally received a new character. Yes. Like because his name was Deceiver because that was his character. And now his name is Israel reflecting his new character. That's right. Mm. And reflecting the fact that God has put his sin behind him, Mm. that God has forgiven him of his sin, and that that sin, that deception, has no relevance whatsoever in his life in any way, shape, or form from this day forward. Mm. It is the past. And uh, this is the great thing about the grace of God that he offers to us. God comes to us and God comes to us. He says, look, I I want to do something for you. I want to give you a new name. I want to give you a new character. I want to give you my name. Mm. I want you to give you my character because I want you to be like me. And I want you to put the past behind you and make a fresh start. I kind of hope that in heaven, like Lawson can still be like my middle name, at least. Because I love my name. I think Lawson's like the most epic name ever. But, you know, if, if it represents my bad character, then I'm happy to So, to so when you it. have uh, when your, your son, your oldest son, can be Lawson? 100% Lawson Jr. Like Lawson if I Jr. have a son, so, if I uh-huh. have a son, like it, it's almost a non-negotiable, like in okay. in my relationship. I need to find a woman. Respective young young ladies out there. Yeah, it's, it's just, that's that's the barrier for entry. This is, you um, have to be willing to name our oldest son Lawson. They're going to be Lawson Jr. You've got to you've got to be you've got to be female. You've got to love the Lord, and you've got to be prepared to name your oldest son Lawson. That's right. There you go. Correct. Lawson the second. There's the list. Oh, maybe. Well, you can't. You can never count on having like a younger son. But if I had like two kids, I'd probably like to name the second one Lawson because like I don't want the first one to get like the name as well. Just so they like balanced out a little bit, you know, like just so there's and no, they're like, both Lawson favorite. <laughs> you could do that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a baseball player. George Foreman that. has seven sons named George Foreman. No, get out. I believe so. You're lying to me. <laughs> I believe that's true. It's true. He has seven sons, and they're all named George. Man, talk about passing on a lineage. There yeah, you go. I, th- I think they've probably all got nicknames. But anyway, we're getting yeah. sidetracked right here from the from the main issue. It's a fun sidetrack. But uh-huh. uh, the main issue being here that God wants what God did for Jacob, he wants to do for every yes, single one of us. Of course. Okay, so how did Jacob get this new name? What did he do that actually accomplished this new name? Um like nothing. Like we well, hung on. He hung on, but like I mean, like nothing. Nothing. Nothing he, moral. Nothing like. Nothing to deserve it. Yeah, he's done a whole lot of things not to deserve mm. it. But if we go back here, let me just flick back to uh, Genesis where we were, and we find what it is that he actually does to get this new name. Uh, let me just see here. <clears throat> Uh, where was the prayer that he pray, prayed? Mm-hmm. Where's the prayer? I can't see the prayer. Is it like, are you talking like verse 28? Or, yeah. Is it, is, is that what you mean? Uh, come on, come on. Uh, no, 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 that's not what, I, not what I'm looking for. <laughs> I know what I'm looking for. I'm not, anyway, it'll, it will come to me here in a minute. Mm-hmm. 
Um, anyway, Sky says here that uh, you know if you if you give birth to a baby, then you've got the right to name it. But you know, oh, true. That's that's where I come in and I do lots of convincing and scheming <laughs> to to yes. get my future wife on my side. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on the Breakfast Show, as we continue on with our program this morning, Lawson, what have you got for the next clue for our quiz? Next clue for the quiz: I am not Gabriel, but I am an archangel. Okay, who might this be? If you know the answer, give us a call, 0491064669. And if you get it correct, you will go into the drawer. You, you need to say, may I enter the drawer? And you'll go into the drawer to win volumes five and six of the Revive Cafe Vegan Cookbook. Let's just choose two more recipes here. Um, you'll be able to make and eat Indian spinach and potato wraps and tom yum soup. If you've never had tom yum soup before, it's like one of my favorite things ever. It's like it's like kind of it's like an Asian like hot pot style dish. I'm pretty sure tom yum they usually use tomato, and it's like oh, it's it's awesome. It's like it's like probably it's like one of the few Asian dishes that have a tomato base. Like we have so many tomato based foods here, like you know pastas and lasagnas and that kind of thing, pizza. Whereas over there, it's like one of the few tomato based foods, but it's really really good. That's awesome. Mm. Okay. Uh, let me see here. David from Ellenbrook in Perth, Western Australia says, um, which culture is right from right to left? Because me being left-handed and dyslexic, I do okay. So, yeah, some cultures right from left to right and some start in the what we would call the back of the book and go to the other direction, mm. which is confusing. And then, of course, uh, we did mention in the interview that people with dyslexia that this that the condition of dyslexia actually favors people who are learning a hieroglyphic language. Yeah. Well, so like Hebrew goes right to left, but also Japanese. And it's hieroglyphic. Japanese goes right to left. Now, they've left they've left hieroglyphs in the past in in Japan because like they they have kanji, but most of the time they use hiragana and katakana, which is like they're both like kind of alphabet-based languages. Phonetic. Um phonetic, that's correct. Uh but yeah, you read them Right to left, I'm pretty sure Hangul as well, which is like Korean. I might be wrong on that, um, but yeah, definitely Japanese. So you can you can take that. I actually know people who are really good at Japanese because they're dyslexic. That's amazing, and they can write like really well, and they've got like all the kanji memorized and everything. But yeah, the thing that enabled them to get good and learn Japanese quickly was their dyslexia because they would see words as kind of shapes rather than individual letters as well Uh, because as much as it is phonetic you do have a bit of an element of hieroglyph there as well so yeah good language to you wow yeah just fascinating so david yeah you do well uh right let's continue on to our bible okay the verse that i was looking for was in verse 9 where jacob is praying he says oh god of my father abraham and god of my father isaac the lord which said to me return to your country and to your kindred or your family i will deal well with you I'm not worthy of the least of all your mercies and of all the truth which you have showed unto your servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I have become two bands. And so it's interesting here that he talks about God's mercies and he just simply puts it out there. And he's like, like, look, I am not worthy of any of your mercy, but I'm asking for your mercy. He has come to understand the grace of God. And it's because of his understanding of the grace of God that when Jesus turns up and Jesus wrestles with him, that he says to Jesus, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
Mm. You are here. We have never had, I have never been in this experience before. And unless you bless me, I will not let you go. And that blessing was enough for Jacob. Mm. And so, you know, there's a massive lesson there for us. First of all, to understand the mercy of God and understand that God wants us, wants to give us a new character and wants to convert us and change us and make us into a better person. And secondly, that we can receive that by clinging to Jesus. We can't get it any other way. Mm. We need to cling to Jesus like Jacob did and say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And when we do, we will have that experience. We will be blessed in the way that Jacob was blessed. We will receive that new name, that white stone with a new name on it that is promised to the overcomer. Mm. All right, we need to continue on with our Bible passage here. Let's finish out this chapter. Uh, we were reading about how he gets a new name, and then what happens next? Mm. Also, um, Arabic is a right-to-left language. It is indeed. So it is indeed. Okay, so we're in chapter 32, and we're going to start reading in verse 29. 29. It says, Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place uh, Peniel which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the Israelites don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened uh, that night when the man strained his tendon of Jacob's hip. Yeah, wow. And so Jacob is, you know, there's no question in Jacob's mind as to who he's been tussling with. Mm. He's had a tussling match with God. So, you know, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, should we get into a tussling match with God? What do you think, Lawson? Uh, well, there is no, like, physical agent of God standing before me that I can, you know, throw a punch at. So I don't think it's even possible unless you're in this very specific situation. You know, the Bible says, Isaiah says, come now and let us reason together. Mm. And I think there are times when... You know, we might not get into a tussling match in the way that Jacob gets into a tussling match, mm-hmm. but I think there are times when we're going to re- we're truly going to wrestle with God, mm. and we're like, God, why are you doing this? What's going on here? You've made all of these promises, and everything just sort of doesn't seem to be working out in the way that it should be working out. Mm. I was at youth muster on the weekend, and uh, Donna Howard, who was leading out there, told a fascinating story for worship on the first night. The story of a, a World War Two fighter pilot. American fighter pilot who shot down an American plane. What had happened was that an airfield had just been captured by the Japanese, uh-huh. so he went over there and shot up the airfield, as you do. It's, it's the Second World War. Uh-huh. Shoots up the airfield, craters the runway, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, with other, in, in, in company with other aircraft. <clears throat> and uh, one of his friends ends up getting shot down in the process, lands in the sea, climbs into his life raft, and then he sees an American C-47, what we would call a DC-3, making an approach to this airfield mm. to land. And he knows that airfield is an ant's nest of angry Japanese and that the results of that transport plane landing there are going to be very, very bad. Wow. And so he flies around it, he buzzes it, he tries to get it on the radio, there's no radio communication, and the pilot is like just... Going, heading into land. Going straight, yeah. He's, he's low on fuel. He's got nowhere else to go, and he's like, I've got to land. And so um, he shoots out one engine. Pilot still got, tries, is trying to get to the airfield. So he shoots out the other engine. The pilot lands in the water, and uh, they all climb out into a life raft, and they all survive. Yeah, wow. You know, but you think about the pilot, and this was the lesson. You think about the pilot, he would be thinking, 
What are you doing? Yeah. What, you're insane. Why are you shooting us down? Yeah. This is a terrible outcome. You know, you're endangering the lives of everybody here. It was a miracle that they all survived. Mm. And uh, But they didn't know the bigger picture. Mm. And so often, you know, we don't see the bigger picture either. Mm. And we come to God and we're like, God, what are you doing? And sometimes it's a good thing to wrestle with God and to ask the tough questions and to tussle backwards and forwards like Jacob did and to come to that point where you cling to God and say, okay, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why Esau's coming with 400 men. When you sent, you told me to come back here, I don't, I, I honestly, I have no idea what is going on right here, but I'm going to cling to you and I will not let you go unless you bless me. Mm. Yeah, praise God. What a, what a story we have in the story of Jacob. I think that uh, this is a great story to illustrate that, yes, there are times that we need to wrestle with God, yeah. and by wrestling with God, that's how we get that new name. And I love how he says, like, you know, the reason he calls it the face of God is because, like, his life is being spared. Yes. Um, like, you know, we come and question God. We have no right uh, yet, yet. Like, God is God is so merciful to us, just like he was merciful to Jacob and uh, spared his life. God is also sparing our lives by dying for us and letting us, you know, be able to follow him and receive salvation. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Which brings us to the question of the day time. But before we get to question of the day, we're going to have a quick run through of some clues for the quiz. Yes, I am a chief prince. I disputed with the devil about the body of Moses. Revelation 12 tells of me and my angels fighting against the dragon, his angels. And I am not Gabriel, but I am an archangel. 0491 is the number to call a text if you know the answer. And if you do, you can say man to the quiz and go into the running to win volumes five and six of the Revive Cafe Vegan Cookbook. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day comes from Julie, and she asks, when church and state unite, will the mark of the beast then take place? Okay, so this is a really good question here, and it's a question that revolves around timing. Now, clearly when you read Revelation chapter 13, which is where you find the passage about the mark of the beast, you've got the union of church and state taking place. And uh, do these events take place simultaneously, or is there a time space in between? Uh, I think that we could we, we, we would reasonably say that there is a process that takes place here. So the union of church and state is not going to be one of those things there where we just wake up and, you know, the day before we had separation of church and state and that was part of the Constitution, say, for instance, in the United States and, and definitely part of political practice here in Australia, and we wake up and tomorrow and suddenly we hear the announcement that, okay, we've decided to change the constitution or change the political practice, and now we have union of church and state. Uh, we're not going to see that kind of thing happening. What we are going to see is things taking place like we read about this morning uh, where you have thought leaders in the United States who are looking at you know the terrible things that are happening in America and they're saying, you know, these are the judgments of God because the Holy Spirit is being withdrawn from the United States and it's being withdrawn from the United States because, you know, we have left off from following God. And I agree with everything until that point. You know, the more the Holy Spirit is withdrawn from the world, the more disastrous things, the more Satan is going to have free reign, the more disastrous things are going to take place. The question that I then have is, what is the solution? Is the solution legislating religion? And this is typically where these kinds of situations have gone. In the past, when nations get desperate enough, they start to legislate a religion. 
And whenever you start to legislate religion, then of course you are heading down the path or you've become a union or are becoming a union of church and state. And so this is a process rather than an event. Now, after the union of church and state, how long does it take before you know, the mark of the beast, Sunday laws, these kind of things are instituted? I don't know. Historically, when you look at it, it can take place very, very rapidly. So one of the first unions of church and state that we find in history was under Constantine, who came to power in 313 uh, in the Roman Empire as the first Roman emperor to make Christianity the state religion. He did not become a Christian, but he made Christianity the state religion. Now, immediately upon making Christianity the state religion, he tried to meld paganism, because he was paganism, and he was pagan, and Christianity together. And one of the first things that he did in an effort to do so was to enact a Sunday law, because he said, well, you know, all pagans worship on that day. If we have all Christians working, worshiping on the same day, then we can bring the world together. And so he brings in this particular law. And so we know that, you know, these kind of things can take place incredibly quickly when you get a union of church and state where a political leader proclaims a state religion. And so if, if for instance, the United States proclaimed Christianity as the state religion. Okay, so let's read about in Revelation chapter 13. The Bible says he deceives those that ha- that live on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to those that live on the earth, they should make an image to the beast which had a wound by a sword and did live. Let's stop there for a moment. The beast, A beast in Bible prophecy is a symbol of a nation. In uh, Revelation chapter 17, you find the same beast being ridden by a woman. A woman is a symbol of a church. So when you've got a church controlling a state, that's a union of church and state. This is a union of church and state. And here you find that they're making an image to it. In other words, they're making a copy, a carbon copy, so to speak, of the union of church and state that you find in the beast, where a church is controlling the state. He had power to give life to the image of the beast. Well, how does a how does an image have life? How does an image of a beast have life? A political entity through its legislation, saying to those that live on the earth that they should make an image to the beast by the wound which had the uh, 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 sorry, uh, they would force as many as would not worship the image of the beast would be killed and force all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no one might buy or sell except he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. When you create an image, when you create a copy to a union of church and state, you are creating a union of church and state. The Bible is very clear that this is what will take place and that this is what will be used to enforce the mark of the beast just before Jesus comes back. So I encourage you Just get out your Bible, break it open and read it. And of course, to talk faith, live faith and act faith because that's how you grow strong in Jesus Christ. for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.